Last week, we began looking at God's promises. And the thing is, the reason why I want to bring this up is because for many years in my Christian life, I hadn't even heard of God's promises. In fact, when I went off to seminary, I hadn't really heard or paid any attention to the fact that God had precious promises in the Bible. And uh, the thing is, is that I, it was my first church that I served, and it happened to be a very dynamic congregation. They really believed in God's word and the fact that he kept his word. And so I began to hear about God's promises, and I, I thought it was just kind of, and anyway, I've discovered that there are a lot of people like me that really don't even know about God's promises. And maybe they've even heard people talk about God's promises, but it hasn't really registered with them the power that's there for our Christian living there in his word through his promises. You know, the Bible is filled with promises It's filled with testimonies of those whose uh, uh, lives have been touched by the promises of God. If you look through the Psalms, so many of the Psalms are actually testimonies of David saying what God has done uh, for him in his life. And there were things that were promised to him that God has done. But I found that most Christians who are apathetic or just don't know or aren't interested about God's promises are usually a part of one of three groups. Many are Christians who are comfortable giving God their time, their resources, their talents, and even attending church from time to time but they haven't fully grasped the fact that God wants to bring so much more into their lives. They're just kind of on a level plane. They just kind of just going along there. And then there's another kind of person uh, that they think or, or they receive, they think that they could receive all that God has for them by just doing what they want to do when they want to do it. And then just uh, uh, saying, God, I need your help now. Really paying no attention to him until they need his help. And they don't care about promises. They just want God to do what they're telling him to do. And then there's another group that just, they just don't care. You know, really, they uh, were brought up going to church. They were brought up. And religion is just a formality to them, really. Something that their parents drug them around in, and it's gotten to be just about a habit with them. And so they uh, don't really understand that God wants to bless them. He wants to use them greatly. And he has a life for them that's so much fuller than the life that they're living just going through religious motions. Now, let me tell you, 
God would love to see today people who are living out of the promises uh, that he has made, who are actually experiencing his promises in their lives. And my hope today, as I talk to you, is that the Lord will stir your heart to the fact that God is calling you to a higher and deeper connection with him than you have ever dreamed of before. Now, Peter lays the groundwork for everything that I'm saying today uh, in the first four chapters or first four verses of uh, this epistle that he writes. Now, notice that he writes this epistle as he is facing death. He is in prison when he writes this epistle. He doesn't know if he's ever going to see the people that he's writing to again. But that's okay because he's where he's supposed to be with the Lord. He has been faithful. He's been true. And whatever is in store, he knows it's going to be all right. His only concern is that these things be passed on to others. And he's letting people know that he's trying to make sure that these things are written down so that you sitting right here in San Philip this morning, you could hear about these things today. And so uh, he begins and he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. Now I want you to notice this. Did you know that our faith is the same faith that the apostles had. It's not like there's different classes of faith. It's not like there's different classes of Christians. We're all Christians. We're all those who have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, same Savior, bought with the same blood, we are all his. Just as it said in uh, him, in Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile that we're all, or male or female even. We're all Christians. It's the same faith. Now you may have thought, may think, now the apostles were in the special category. They were called to special service. Yes. But the faith that they had, the faith that they lived out of is the same faith, the same sort of relationship that God wants to have with you today. Uh, we're all bought, as I said, with the same blood. We all walk with the same Savior. Mother Teresa, Bruce Olson, missionary to the Modalone Indians, Corey Tin Boom. David Wilkerson, all of those people, their calling might be different than yours. Their circumstances may be different from yours, but it's the same faith that was received by the apostles and every believer. This is kind of scary when you stop and think about it in a way, and it's exciting as well. The Lord can use you just as well as he used Simon Peter.
the same faith, the same Holy Spirit indwells you and wants to work through you. Uh, And the thing is, if these promises are given to help us in our walk with him. And a lot of times, in fact, when you start really walking with the Lord, endeavoring to please him, you'll have things happen in your life. And then you'll look back and say, hey, God promised that. And so they happen whether you even know it's happening or not sometimes. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, I mentioned her a moment ago. I was just thinking this morning about the story that she tells about the vitamin drops. She was in a prison, uh, in a a prison camp, and her sister Betsy was there with her. And her her sister Betsy suffered from from a vitamin deficiency. And everything was fine. They had a, they were able to get vitamins to give to her. But then they moved from one camp to another and they weren't supposed to be allowed. They weren't allowed to take anything with them. And Corey, she had her Bible and her vitamin drops with her and they were searching everybody's they came through. And when they came to Corey, they said, move along now, get on through and didn't even check her out didn't even search her and so she was when it came time for betsy to receive her vitamins they discovered there were 25 other women suffering from the same vitamin deficiency that betsy was and as Corey looked at the vitamins there she thought you know if i give every one of these women a drop of vitamins. There's not going to be any left for Betsy after today. And she said, Lord, what should I do? And she knew what she should do. She lined all those women up and they all got a drop, a vitamin drop. The next day, they all lined up again and they all got a vitamin drop. The next day, they lined up. They all got a vitamin drop and the next day and the next and they were talking about it Betsy and Corey were and they said uh what's going on here it seems like there's always just as many left when we get through and Betsy remembered Corey remember there was a woman in the old testament her oil never ran out she was serving the prophet Elijah and her uh her uh, uh oil and her flour never ran out. And so they just kept giving drops and kept giving drops. And every time they needed them, they were there. And then one day, a friend of hers came in and said, look what I have. And she had on this thing, I don't know, a coat or something that she opened it up and she had bottle after bottle of vitamins. And so then uh, they went, they took out the old bottle that evening. There was not one drop left in that bottle. The Lord supplied the way that he wanted to. Now notice these people weren't just in a hunky dory place, were they? I mean, they were in a prison camp. Horrible things were happening. But the thing is, the Lord was present with them and he made his presence known. 
and he helped them through that. And I've, uh, uh, I've, I've said that my life, since I've come to know the Lord, is like a series of dilemmas punctuated with miracles. And if you look in scripture, you'll find that that's just about the way. Look at Peter. That was his life. Things would be rocking along. Next thing you know, he's in prison. Next thing you know, an angel's opening the door and leading him out. And that's the way it is with us. We don't even recognize it sometimes. We don't even know what's going on sometimes. But the Lord is at work, working in us. Our faith is the same as the apostles. You may have the same relationship, but you have a different mission than the apostles, you see. And the Lord wants to help you with your mission, just as he helped Corey Ten Boom with hers, just as he's helped all the Christians through the ages in the past. Your mission may be to be, to be a spouse. Your mission may be to be a parent. May be to be an employee or a brother or a sister or a teacher or a student or a mayor or you name it. But whatever the Lord has for you to do, whatever position he's put you in, he wants to help you to be the best in it that you can be. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Paul says this, whatever may be your task, work at it heartily. That means from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for people. In whatever role you find yourself in, be it as a family member or wherever else, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from people, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. The one whom you are actually serving is the Lord Christ, the Messiah. I don't know if you've ever run across a little booklet called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, but if you ever get a chance to read it, you'll see Oh, just exactly what Paul's talking about. This is what he practiced. He just practiced whatever he did. He was a monk in Paris, a friar, who wound up when he was just washing dishes in the kitchen. He did it as unto the Lord. And the Lord's presence was there with him. And he got to know the Lord better just because he did everything, no matter how menial, He did it as unto the Lord. Now, the next thing that we learn from uh, Peter as he's writing this last epistle of his, God gives us everything we need for our daily living and to live the life that he's laying before us. He says, for his divine power has given us everything required for life and for godliness. Not just for being God's, but for living life through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. He has given us, this is the third thing, 
He's given us promises so that we can live a godly life in an ungodly world. Now, so the world has gotten so bad that it's easy to get pulled into it, isn't it? It's easy to uh, be attacked and sniped at and to wind up with Satan just pulling you down to the other person's level. But the thing is, if you're doing all these things as unto the Lord, you're going to maintain the high ground and you are going to wind up uh, being delivered from whatever is, winds up facing you at the moment. You, know, The promises of God, they're not like coupons in a coupon booklet. You know, as I see people, they go to the Bible like, like this is one of these coupon booklets that they picked up for $25 and they need an oil change. They'll say, well, let's see if there's a coupon in there for that. That's not what this is about. It's not a coupon booklet. He didn't say you've got just certain. He says that, what did he say here? He says, by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature. These are like a bank account, like a bank account where God has already deposited all you're ever going to need and you just draw on it at the time when it's needed. And sometimes you don't even know when the Lord is supplying. You know, uh, you know, I, I, whenever I first started out, my, my faith journey began with a lot of questions. I was brought up in an environment that pretty well was a combination of all three of the different kinds of apathetic Christians that I mentioned earlier. And uh, I just gave when it was convenient or expected, doing what I wanted to do and suspecting that all this religious stuff might not even be true. And really not wanting to just live a lie. But if it was true, as I've told you before, I wanted to know. And so I prayed and said, God, if you're real, let me know. And he did. He did. But before I got to that, I was asking questions like, if this stuff is really true, why doesn't God do stuff like he did in the Bible anymore? Why doesn't he heal people anymore? Why are so many sermons just basically explaining away the miraculous and rationalizing God's word and making excuses for the way people are today? Why do we read about ancient history and then talk about the power of positive thinking? You know, I would go out here sort of about be good. God loves you. He made a good world and he wants you to enjoy it. And then I'd go to the medical center in Houston and see pieces of people with gauze covering the part of their face that was missing for, because cancer had taken it away walking down the halls. And I couldn't see a connection between what I was hearing on Sunday morning and what I was seeing in my everyday life. As I told you before, in the claims field, insurance claims, my livelihood was death and destruction. It was the fallenness of this world that gave me my bread and butter. And it fed my family well. But... 
The thing is, is that I knew that there had to be something, but it just wasn't clicking. And then whenever I finally started listening, when I said, if you're real, let me know. And he began showing me different scriptural principles at work in the world. Then the promises started coming to life. Whenever that, that one you, it's a promise. When it says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That was the first one that struck me. Doesn't sound like a promise. It sounds negative, doesn't it? It says, as long as you're acting like an adult, as long as you're thinking like a grown-up, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. But the flip side of that is true. If you become like a little child, taking what he says and running with it and living out of it, then you're going to find out that the kingdom of heaven is right here with us right now. And that's what I found out. When I began to approach God's word and taking it for what it said, doors to the spiritual kingdom began to open. The promises began to become real in my life. When he said in the, one of the first promises, if you seek me with all your heart, will, you will ever surely find me. I sought. I wanted to know. I really wanted to know. I sought him with my whole heart and I found him. He says, call upon me and I will answer you. And in my greatest moment of frustration, I said, Jesus, help me. And he was right there with me. You see, the promises were coming true in my life and I didn't even know what a promise was. Since then, as I've told you, my life has been a series of dilemmas punctuated by miracles. Whenever there's been a need, God has made a way. It turns out that I wasn't seeing God's reality in my life because of my unbelief. You remember how Jesus couldn't do many miracles in Capernaum because of their unbelief. Because of my unbelief, I couldn't see what God was doing all around me. As Jesus ministered, many couldn't see God at work in him at all. They'd pick up rocks and want to chunk them at him. Uh, some even attributed his miracles to the devil. And as I thought yesterday, another promise came to mind. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And listen to this. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. You know, I thought about that and I thought, you know, I don't, has that happened? And then I started thinking, you know what? That's happened in my life. And as it happened, I wasn't even thinking about this promise. It's not that you go say, okay, I'm going to do greater things than Jesus. You know, you don't, if you approach things like that, 
you're just asking to get zapped by lightning, I guess, you know, because that's just the wrong attitude. But the thing is, is I have gone on being in all sorts of different situations as a pastor and being confronted with different things. As I began to look back, I've seen things like one time a lady's back was out. I prayed for her and I watched a leg that was shorter than the other one grow. They lined up and her back was healed. Uh, Another time, I saw a brain tumor disappear. Another time, my family and I watched as a rash just went away before our eyes while we were praying. Another time in Maud, Texas, back in 1981, I believe it was, there was a, it was just looking scary. And Sharon said, you know, this is looking really bad. You know, this is, look at the cloud. It's horrible. Let's, let's pray. And so we just prayed that whatever this, her, this, this, this storm was that was, it's horrible. Uh, that was just hanging over our city. We just prayed and it went away. And later that evening on the news on the weather channel, the guy said, on the weather channel, but the local weather, the guy said, ladies and gentlemen, there was something that happened this evening. It was just incredible. There was a huge funnel cloud, a giant funnel cloud just hanging over Maud, Texas. That's where we were. And we were all expecting just disaster. And it just went away. Now, that's pretty major. And it was confirmed by local weather forecasters. Uh, While I was going to seminary, my little girl Amy was born. And uh, while I was still in seminary, and you know how much graduate school costs? At SMU graduate school costs? We had a child, and I graduated from seminary without any student loans, with no debt. That's a miracle. The Lord just did the oil, the bottomless thing of oil there, and he just made it happen. You see, there's a promise. My God will supply all your needs through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Whenever there are needs, God has promises for you. Now, you can be living out of these promises. And if you're walking with the Lord and listening to him and doing what he's calling you to do, you're going to live out of whether you even know it or not is what I'm trying to tell you. You don't just go there, but sometimes they're there to reassure you that if you're in a spot, it'll be there for you. So I just want to give you just about four quick different things about living out of God's promises. Uh, First of all, don't be afraid to ask. Jesus makes it clear. Ask and be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. He couldn't make it any clearer. 
Don't be afraid to ask. Do what God leads you to do. Don't hesitate. When the Lord called me into the ministry, he did it in such a way that it was confirmed by my wife the next evening. And we decided if this is what God wanted us to do, we needed to do it. We gave our two weeks notice at work the next day. And I didn't even know how to become a Methodist preacher. I had no idea all the hoops I was supposed to jump through. But the Lord made a way miraculously for every one of those hoops to be gone through. Six weeks later, I was sitting in seminary. Uh, so, but then also remember you can't harvest unless you plant seeds. You've got to sow seeds of faith. And it goes right along. If you, you do what the Lord, even if it looks scary, you do what you know the Lord wants you to do. And then speak God's promises and blessings into life. How many times do you wind up finding yourself talking about how bad things are instead of the fact that God's going to make a way? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to realize that God wants to help you in your walk with him if you will quit being timid in walking with him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.